got um, arguably one of the uh, the greatest real estate agents in Australia. I'm sure mm. Glenn would back me up on that. Oh, yeah, I'll say yes, why not? <laughs> but, uh, I've actually, as a buyer's agent, Glenn won't remember this, but I've actually been in the field when Glenn was an auctioneer yeah. and uh, very, very charismatic auctioneer. Uh, 17 Muir Street, Hawthorne. It was an apartment back in 2007. Do you remember that? Third level, sold for about 550, I think, from memory. How's that? That is product knowledge. <laughs> that, right was, that, was, that was ten years ago. Yeah, so I was yeah. in the crowd. I uh, I didn't. I wasn't a successful bidder on that one. Right. But I was definitely in the crowd. And great uh, property, sold by a client of mine, Sue Williamson. I'm selling for her right now. Actually, funny uh, enough. Uh, oh, yeah. that, that view was pretty special. Yeah, it's there. a great spot. Towards Fantastic. Right up on Mule Street, right near the river. Yeah. yeah. So I'm impressed with the memory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed with the memory. But uh, do, you, do you not drink? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't actually. No. Yeah, Tip for everyone. But uh, welcome to the property catch. You're the uh, the director, senior auctioneer. And you're a licensed estate agent, Artie Edgar in Burundara. That's arguably one of the greatest places in Australia to live. So what's yeah. it like listing every day in that uh, market? I know, it's good. I mean, look, I list all over Melbourne, but that's a great pocket private school belt. Canterbury, Hawthorne, most of the houses there start at $2 million and we've just listed a couple for 15 and $16 million, so it's a pretty good part of the world. Mm. But I'll take anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like any true real estate. Whatever, whatever's coming, bring it all our way. Yeah. So talk us through, because, I mean, I've described you as one of the best. I think that you've got some awards that actually uh, back mm. that up. What's it like being all day, every day, in one of the most competitive markets in Australia? You know, there's... When you're the hunted, you know, everyone's trying to, to chase you. What, what's it like staying on top of the game for as long as you have? Look, it's just a matter of discipline. I mean, I'm self-disciplined because I've got five children and a young Mexican boy living with us now, so that's six. <laughs> and uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's a competitive business. and School fees to pay. Uh, yeah, school fees to pay. <laughs> so look, it's a competitive business, but it, really in most cases you compete against yourself. Yep. That's what I do. I get up every day and compete against myself. And, you know, I've been doing it 31 years now, so most wow. of my customers are six, seventh time round. Take us back 32 years ago. Yep. What were you doing and then why did you move to real estate? Uh, I was in banking 30 years ago. 40 years ago, I was in banking at Westpac, driving an old Telstra. And then I saw a young kid in a convertible Mercedes and I followed him on a Saturday. I thought, how come he's got a Mercedes convertible? So I followed him into uh, Woodard's Real Estate. Yeah. And I got out of my car and I walked in. I said, can I have a job? And then I quit banking and went and worked in real estate. So that's how I started. Ah. No passion, no interest, just wanted to drive a convertible. You saw the <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the question is, what, when, how long did it take before you bought your first convertible? Uh, two years, yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had hair then. So just yeah. no, no, I borrowed all the money. <laughs> very good, very good. So you're a father of five. Yep. Um, how do you combine? That? That's 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 a fair effort to uh, have a household full of five and be at the top of the game in real estate. What uh, you're organised? I'm extremely. I am very organised. Like uh, look, I get home most days at three thirty, four o'clock to see the kids, help out at home. But then I'd sit at the kitchen bench with the kids and do my work while they do their homework. And yeah. you know, I did two or three hours of letters and customer follow-up to do while they did their mathematics which I can't help with because I'm too stupid so you know it's <laughs> you just got the real estate's about being a great father great husband and then being an agent after that yeah so just on that point so how many days a week are we on oh seven days a week you're seven days yeah but I don't put the suit on the seventh so Sunday yeah. we don't put the suit on unless yeah. I've got an auction but uh, you know we do 15 sports a week, basketball, tennis, singing, dancing. Yeah. And in between that, I'm talking to everyone that's there, every person that's at the game is a client of mine. So yeah. it's business. It's always business. Yeah. Uh, how much sleep do you get? Oh, uh, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> not that much. We're up at about six most mornings in the car by 6.45 and we're away. So, mm. yeah. so wow. tell, us, tell us a bit about, um, you know, this podcast is largely for property investors. So yeah. you've got this unique viewpoint where your client is the seller. Okay. And you're trying to get the best outcome for yep. your seller, but you see so many buyers. What would you say that is the number one 
fatal mistake that you see a buyer make? Oh, look, I buy for property too. I do occasionally, uh, you know, I'm actually buying a house next weekend for a client. I always say to my client, just pay the ass and get on with it. Don't try and save 50 grand on a purchase because it'll cost you if you miss it. Mm. And if you look back now, like we're selling land in Camberwell for 3.3 million for a block of land. And two years ago, it was two and a half. Yeah. And I, I just know buyers that missed it for 20 grand and missed it for 30, it's cost them a million. Mm, mm, mm. So, you know, I bought plenty of property. I just go to the agent, what do you want? Pay it, get done, lock yeah. it away. It's a it's a long-term hold. It's not a short-term business. And that, I mean, that's relative for obviously the marketplace that you play in. Yep. Do you do you have any differing views or have you ever studied the markets where it's in the fringes of town? Yeah, I, look, I own property in the fringes, but even like, for example, I've, you know, at Croydon, like, properties have gone up there. If you go out to Aspendale Gardens, they've gone up. I mean, the market just keeps going. You've got to have a long term view on property yeah the first question is is it is there something special about it? do i want this house yeah and i always go looking for the same thing treeline street no matter where it is can be in canterbury or dandenong treeline yeah. street near the schools not on a main road just looking for the basics in real estate and you'll never go wrong mm. and can we get a sense of how many transactions you're doing a year account personal or company oh, overall I'm oh, interested you, me you, you, oh, you me personally it. probably eight to ten a year yeah i mean i buy and sell all the time yeah um we just bought a building in carlton actually just only three weeks ago went yep. to get coffee ended up buying a building so that happens sometimes <laughs> but did you get the bread um but uh company wise we might do three four hundred sales a year mm. uh, pretty solid and yep. we do commercial residential businesses uh, divorce rate's high, so that's great for business, you know, it's <laughs> amazing. It's, 30% of our properties are separation. Hence which is the motivation really, of the seller. Yeah. Very motivated. All important the problem with the separation is we end up being more of a counsellor than an yeah. estate agent, mm -hmm. yeah. and there's four sales involved every time, because there's mm -hmm. always another couple on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a complicated business. Yep. We deal in wills, estates. Mm. Uh, it, it's a minefield sometimes. So you transact personally. Are you a buy and hold, or are you a buy and sell? Uh, no, I'm normally a buy and hold. In most cases, I like to hold long term, and um, you know, I'll sell if I want to swap into something, but I prefer to hold real estate. Okay. Yep. So you're about to go and buy a property for yourself, for your own portfolio this weekend. Where would you go? What would you look for? Okay, first thing I would do is I'd ring the agent that's handling it, mm -hmm. and I'd find out the listing agent, not the bloke that's handling it. So there's two sides of that. There's the lister who signs the house up, and there's a yep. young guy that only gets to handle it. Yep. Generally, I'd go to the guy that listens and say, what do you really want for it? Mm -hmm. Why are they selling? They'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Can I buy it now, or do I need to come to auction? Mm -hmm. Just have a very straight conversation. Mm -hmm. If I really want to buy it, I'll go and have a coffee with him. Yeah. I want to look him in the eyes and say, what do you really want for it? Yeah. See if he blinks. Yeah. And then either make him an offer or I'll go to the auction. Mm -hmm. If I go to the auction, I turn up to the auction and say, look, I'm here, I'm here to buy it. My name's Glenn, shake hands. Not here to make things difficult for you, I just want to buy the house. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes if you have the agent on your side, you'll win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be his enemy. Do you think that you've got a bit of an advantage being an agent? No, no, I do always disclose it. Yeah. But if I was Mr. and Mrs. Jones and I wasn't an agent, I would go to the auction, I'd put a suit on, a tie on. If I was going to buy real estate, I'd always go dress for business. Yep, yeah. Stand next to the auctioneer, shake hands, be his best mate. He might get a quick hammer. Yeah. So is that, is that part of the tactics though? Because that's something that I like to do, stand at the front. Yeah. I like to stand on, on the, the wing of the auctioneer. Yep. I like to be able to eyeball all the buyers. Yep. Um, you know, ultimately as a buyer's agent, we want to professionally intimidate other people that we're here to buy. Mm. We've got deep pockets. Correct. Uh, so when I, yeah, when I buy real estate, again, I'd stand next to the auctioneer. I will look at all the buyers in a friendly way, but I, I'm, you know, I kind of persuade them to think that I'm never going to stop. Mm -hmm. yep. So no blinking, no discussion, no phone call. Yep. I don't want to be standing, you know, if it's a husband and wife I'm bidding for, I don't want them to come. And if they do come, once they look at each other, they've just told me they're out of money. Correct. Very obvious sign. It's a, it's a great, once it's they a make a phone call, they're done. body language mm. tip. Yep. So sometimes I'll go to the auction, put my hand up, and I'll just leave it up and I won't move. Yep. And it just stays up. <laughs> then most people walk away. Mm, I've yep. got a limit like anyone else. Mm, mm. Yeah.
but it's but it's that it's that street theatre, yeah. which is effectively what it is. And yep. because we do it yeah. all the time, yeah. we understand what we're doing. Whereas someone who's a novice at it yep. won't necessarily know how yeah. to play the first game of cards well. Yeah. You know, you get, you, you're new to poker, you might have read all the books, yeah. but at the end of the day, you still, there's that anxiety in their face, there's that stress, there's that looking at each other yeah. when we said we weren't going to look at each other. There's that figure that we set, then we look at each yeah. other, so can we go a little bit yeah. more because it's going to run over? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I always set the figure and then add 100 mm. and then be in the zone, do I want this house badly? If mm. I know, if it's one of six, then set a number and walk away. Mm. But if I need it because I hold in the house next door, I've got the one behind, then there's no negotiation. and and then don't waver in your bidding. Mm. It's interesting you say you've stood there with your hand up because the only tactic that I've seen consistently work is confidence. I've seen people roll up in a Mm. Porsche. I've seen people have the aviator glasses on. I've seen people try and intimidate. All, all that works is confidence because it, people have got their limit and it's when you get to that limit. I mean, we bought one on the weekend, one of our team, you talk about the look, that, that knew at the pointy end, the other buyer had that look, then she just looked at him straight in the eye, whispered um, and said, I've got plenty. Yeah. And it was just enough to knock her yeah. off yeah. and she didn't put her hand up again, so she yeah. didn't throw away the last five, ten grand. Yeah. So ultimately, have, have you seen anything other than confidence work no. consistently? No, always wins. Mm. Yep. Absolute confidence, because most people remember that go to an auction that aren't represented by an advocate. They do it once in ten years and they're mm. gone, and they don't get the system. They don't get the yeah. game. Yeah. You know, I know the auctioneer. I know his style. I know when he's on the market. I know when he's nervous. Mm. It makes such a difference. Mm. Yeah. And I always say to people, you know, no matter what you do for a living, don't try and be an estate agent for the weekend. Go and employ somebody. Me or you, I don't care who they employ, but employ yeah. someone. Yeah. Yeah. That because I've passed properties into somebody at one point two at an auction, as an auctioneer, and I've said the reserve's 1.3, and they go, yes. You know, just like that. Yeah, yeah. Now, had they employed somebody to negotiate, they would have bought it for 100 less. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But you know, don't walk into my auction and think you're going to buy it cheaply. <laughs> Employ an advocate yeah. who knows the game, who can bluff. And that's the best part about having you on the podcast, is that we're seeing it from primarily, though, a selling, you know, selling agent's view. Yeah. So, you know, what I want the listeners to try and get a sense of is, you know, what's your mindset? What are you looking for? How are you going about it? So... Here's a question for you. You know what, what, what should someone who's looking to engage a selling agent look for in their agent? So we all are buy hold if we can, but we're going to have family members, and there's going to be upsizing and downsizing that's going to occur. What are some of the critical things you want to see in a great selling agent? Okay, so for me, people appoint, I mean, I get appointed a lot, as you know. Yes. Uh, and most of my business is uncontested. It's recommended. So the recommendation is really strong. Yep. You're an attraction agent. Yep. Attraction agent. I don't have to compete with three agents a lot. And if I do, I'm happy to compete. But I always say the first 60 seconds, do you like the bloke? Mm. Don't ask for fees and marketing. Do you like the guy or girl? Do you love him? If you like him in 60 seconds, your customers will. And do they look you in the eye? Do they smell good? That's what it's all about. Do they smell good? You know, <laughs> do they pass those tests? That's yeah. pretty important, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the next one is the first one to drop their fees is the one you throw out. Mm, mm. Because that means they can't negotiate. Mm, yeah. Right? Mm, I drop my fees sometimes too, but mm, I try. Mm, Have yeah. a go, right? Mm, try and get a really good fee. And if you can't, then you've got to drop your fees. But yep. you want to test their negotiation skills. And if they drop their fees too quickly, then they're going to drop your value of your real estate in a second. And the last one is, are they in it for the long term? Or do they want, is, it a, is it a quick one night stand? Mm-hmm. In and out four weeks. So when I meet a client, like I'm selling for a lady at the moment, I know I'm gonna know her for 40 years, mm-hmm. till I'm dead. Because mm-hmm. I like her, I'm gonna help her out. It's a long, long term relationship. She's 70, I'm 50. So we'll both be gone in 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. But I know that it's a 30 year relationship. Mm-hmm. Most, of my, most agents will go in and out and be paid and gone in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I mean, it, Bryce talked about a property in 2007. You knew the property, yep. you knew the view, yep. you knew everything about that. 
how much confidence should a vendor put in the product knowledge of the agent as well? I'm an estate agent, right? But it's not about real estate. It's a people. Yeah, like, you're in the people business. I know that house. I know it's sold for mid-fives. But the lady's name's Sue. The son's Blake. You know, I know where they live. I know what they do for a living. I know what he's studying. I, I know the family. And I want, if you're selecting an agent, get an agent that actually knows you as a family, knows you as a, as a team, knows your kids' names. That's the agent you want. I love agents that, that know, that have families because it works well. They're a lot more committed to the process. They've got commitment. They're honest. They're straight. And, and I think looking for the agent that's in it with you for the long term. Not a quick, not a quick sale. Give us, a, give us a bit of an insight for the listeners what, what the insider's guide to being an agent looks like because a lot of people who get paid time for money, clock in on Monday, clock off yep. on Friday, don't understand how a real estate agent actually earns a living. Yeah, so, um, we, only, yeah, so we get paid by the vendor. So it, if I don't list a house, I don't make any money. Mm-hmm. So there's no point. If you're a buyer and you ring me up and you say, can you show me five houses? I, don't re- I can't really help you because I don't, you don't pay me. Mm-hmm. So buyers don't get shown houses and driven around and start shown houses unless they've got a house to sell. So from an agent's point of view, we're only really interested in somebody who's got a, something on there, but either a house to sell, or we absolutely love you. But 30 years ago, you probably did with your convertible, didn't you? I did, but with people <laughs> I really liked. My first process is, is, the thing about real estate, you can choose your own customers. We meet 50 people at an open inspection. Who am I going to deal with? Mm. 50 want to buy a house. Mm. You know, let's pick the ones I really like. Mm. That's what it's great. People always say, you've got great clients, I pick them. Anyone walks in and gives me a really hard time, I just politely say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is if you if you want to work with a really good agent, just be a good mate. Mm. Be nice to them. Mm. They'll be nice to you. Sometimes a vendor, you know, we've got houses we're selling for clients and they leave our cookies and milk. I end up working harder to get them more money. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can tell by my stomach. Reciprocity. <laughs> but you're one of the happiest agents I've ever met too. Like you just, nothing phases you. No, no. And no. you've been consistent for a long time. So, yes. but Glenn, that's, uh, I mean, what you say sounds simple, but not a lot of agents are doing that. I mean, how come you're able to grasp that better than most? I mean, I've always had a really positive mindset and I've always thought, well, you know what, if you're not good at your job, just stay in the contest. Mm. So if you're not great at it and you're just learning, then you know what, just get in it. I mean, when I started uh, my career, I was in at 7.30 every morning because I didn't know what I was doing. So I just got in early and just stayed there and luck falls your way. Mm. And I'd say, if you're not a great agent, you're not really naturally gifted, then just stay in the contest. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like I've got, I've probably been gifted with some, some good skills, but I worked hard to get them. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like I'm confident, right? But mm. I wasn't confident 30 years ago. I was a little Indian kid at school in the corner and I wasn't a confident kid. I had to force myself to be an auctioneer, force myself to stand up in front of people. I did my auction training in a park by myself doing an auction for weeks and weeks. I stood in a park and auctioned to nobody, mm, yeah. like a goose. To the trees. To the trees and people walking past <laughs> yeah. and all that. But it, you know what, took away my shyness. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you just have to, if you're coming into real estate, you have to be an attraction business and you have to just be absolutely kind to everyone you meet and it's easy. So talk us through, well, you meet someone, you, yep. you've you got a process. I well, mean, I just but... met these two gorgeous girls here, didn't I? And I got both your names and details, correct? <laughs> and you're Geelong and you are gonna be Carlton. So, <laughs> yeah, right? so you're going to go on my database and probably, you know, I'm probably going to write you a letter to say it was nice to meet you and develop a relationship because one day your mum might sell and hopefully you say, well, I'll just ring Glenn, he was nice to me. So Ivis is going to be, you know, on a database. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you put her as the stick, she'll, she'll know. Yeah. 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 But I think that's an important message for us. We've got a lot of professional services who listen to our podcast. But Definitely. I mean, Glenn's just giving them a tip that because you'll send them a text. Yeah. You'll send them an email. Well, the girls will give me their mobile because they might think I'm trying to date them. So I got their email to start with. <laughs> yeah. But when they reply back to my email, all their names and details will be at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then I'll steal it. But like, look, I was in Western Australia the other day and I met a really nice lady who helped me with something. I wrote her a nice letter. She wrote back to me. I've got her details. I sent her kids a couple of Carlton hats and we're buddies and she's referred me a listing already. Mm. That easy. Mm. I won't meet anyone without writing them a letter. Mm. Everyone I meet. 
But so, so how do you write hundreds of letters a month? It's um... Well, it's easy. I just get the business card like this. I give it yeah. to my daughter, Brooke, yeah. and she writes, uh, Dear Bryce, it was really great to meet you. Thanks for being so nice to Glenn. We post it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not totally genuine, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. the fact that I've got off my backside to send you something. And I think, well, okay, well, Bryce, whenever you've you got a house to sell or a friend that's got to ask you, might just go, maybe I'll ring Glenn. He took the effort to write me a letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just be nice to you. Basic human behaviour, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Tell simple. us a bit about a florist. Okay, so I bought a florist. I've had to, <laughs> so I walked. I've got. We've been. I send flowers to all my clients. Birthdays. A client of mine just listed a house with me after receiving flowers for her birthday, twenty eight years in a row. Wow. And her wedding anniversary. She gets flowers every year for the last twenty five years. And her husband gets a message the night before to remind him. So it's been a good relationship. <laughs> I do that with all my customers, right? Yeah, right. And uh, I end up spending a fortune on flowers. So I bought a florist in Canterbury. Yeah, yeah. I bought the florist. We've yeah. rebranded it, and a lot of my clients go in there now. Yeah. And then we just put in a coffee shop as well. So it's called um, Black Betty Coffee. Yeah. And then the florist is called Scintilla. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so nice. uh, my clients go in there, they get a coffee, give them a bunch of flowers on the way out. It's great business. Mm. I didn't sell any houses this week, but I sold 11 bunches of flowers and about three bags of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the, the message here is great customer service, great experiences, go the extra mile, do the one percenters. So whether this is a podcast about uh, how amazing Glenn's run his business and why you're you know, one of the, Australia's top real estate agents, there's also messages in here for property investors. Do your one percenters, do your research, don't cut corners. Get a relationship with the agent. One of the things that frustrates me out there is there's some buyers agents out there who are aggressive. Yeah. And there's some buyers out there who are aggressive. And you just don't need to be aggressive. Yeah, you don't need to be. Look, you know, buyers advocates ring me up all the time. If they're friendly and they say, what's the reserve? I'll tell them. What's it going to make? I'll tell them. I'll just mm. tell you the truth. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a mindset of customer service that you just have in your life. Like I was in a coffee, in a coffee shop the other day. These two long-haired guys come in having coffee. I said, weren't you guys here yesterday? Yeah, we were. I said, oh, thanks for coming back. I went and got some chocolates and some cakes, gave it to them, it's on me. They've been back every day since. That's how easy real estate is, exactly yeah. the same business, yeah. right? And you, did you take your little lay frame in? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Just, well, it's my, a coffee shop. My son does uh, singing, and uh, after the first singing lesson, he wrote the singing teacher a, lesson, a letter, because I've trained him that way. Mm. I wrote him a letter. Uh, and recently, uh, he, he's got this little dog, beautiful dog, and we bought him a dog bowl and some presents for his family and that. Just listed his mother's house for auction. Mm-hmm. Not a coincidence. Mm. Yeah. No competition. Mm. Yeah. And that's how easy real estate is. It's actually the easiest business in the world. So are you in real estate? Or are you in, are you in I, business I in real property. estate or people? People. I, yeah. I actually don't like property. Yeah, yeah. People go, oh, you love real estate. Houses, you want to show me your house? I don't like it. So it's, it's, you, but but the challenge funny. for you is you're seeing some of the very best uh, houses in Melbourne yeah. as well. It's I don't get past the lounge room. Yeah, yeah. Normally I go and sit down, have a cup of coffee, sign the house up. Do you want to look at the house? Oh, if you want me to. I'm, I, I don't want to buy it. <laughs> like, I want you to know that I want you to work with me. If you mm. want to show me the house and the toilet and all but that, a, that's great. It's a funny thing people ask about, oh, you're watching the block and all that. So the last thing I want to do is go home and watch the real I've never watched show. it. Mm. Like, because it's a bricks and mortar bank account, as you say, Bryce. And for me, that's the way I look at it. Like, yeah. I still think, you know, there's... There is one real estate show you should watch that. Oh, what's that one? Oh, location, location, location. <laughs> There's a little plug for the show. Yeah, look, um, back on the, the selling agent thing for me, um, a selling agent comes in to speak to a vendor for the first time. Yeah. And I'll, we hear it all the time when we're doing expos and that type. People come up and say, you know, how do I deal with a, a selling agent? How often do selling agents tell um, untruths about the value to try and win the listing? Uh, those days are probably gone, I reckon. I mean, it's not- 
you know, you might go into a house and you think it's worth seven fifty to eight hundred, right? Yeah. And the owner thinks it's nine, which is always the case. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to be careful on how you catch it, because if you argue with them, you get thrown out. Yeah. Mm. So if you're a good agent, you say, look, I think it's seven fifty to eight, and I understand you want nine, and I'm happy to have a go at nine. Mm. That's my conversation. Mm. Yeah. I'm happy to chase nine as long as you and I agree. I haven't told you it's nine. Yeah. In my younger days, I would have just said nine and mm. signed it up because mm. I didn't know any better. Mm. Yeah. I think I've got my dialogue right. Yep. But when you're first new in your real estate, you probably don't know. Yeah. So you just you just have to agree with the owner and get on with it because we meet a lot of unrealistic people. Yep. I think that's an important um, dialogue to just think about from the perspective of the buyer because that's exactly what is going on for the agent. You Correct. know, they, They've got to facilitate a transaction, change the title from one person to another in the best interest of their client, which is the seller. And the buyer, are, you know, if they're clock on, clock off Monday to Friday, they don't understand that an agent doesn't get uh, paid per hour, they get paid for a result. And therefore they can get frustrated with the real estate agent, but without realizing that the real estate agent actually isn't acting in the buyer's best interest. No, we're not there to do you any favors. And look, a lot of times we're dealing with divorce. You know, I've got properties that I'm selling for where there's two different reserve prices. I've got one where there's four beneficiaries fighting and they've all got different reserves. So somebody would say, well, what do you want for us? And I actually can't tell you because I've got four people who can't agree. Mm. You know, so mm. it's a complicated system sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. If we've got a reserve and somebody says, what is it? I've got it, I can say, hey, this mm. is what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, you know, just remember the agent's job is to get you to pay the most amount of money. Mm. Yeah, we see a lot of frustrated buyers out there with the yeah. market as hot as it is. And, yep. you know, there's always that famous old saying, quote it low, watch yeah, it yeah, go, yep. get an audience, yep. you know, get people through. And that, that looks good for the vendor who's doing that. I mean, I still put you in the 1% of agents, Glenn. So I still think in some unmature markets or lower end markets, there's probably still that competition for that listing where they are possibly saying to the vendor, oh, I'll I'll be able to get you, and then condition the vendor to come down off that. So I definitely agree. I mean, with obviously people like yourself, with great people like John McGrath and Tom Panos on their Million Dollar Agent podcast, people, uh, they're trying to educate the industry to improve and lift that standards. Where do you see the industry going for, for professionalism and how far has it come from in the time you've been involved? I've been doing the same thing for 30 years, which is people loving, which is what I always do. But I see um, it moving forward. It's always going to be a people business. It's not going to be automated. Yep. Uh, but there are plenty of people along that can clip the ticket on the way through. Now there's buyers advocates, vendor advocates, and plenty of that sort of stuff. Yep. Look, I think that good agents have to just stay in the contest for a long period of time, and yep. they'll just get. There's so much business around. I, if you're a good agent, you won't be able to keep up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to change it. Yeah. And to be honest, if the market drops devastatingly bad, it's fantastic. No, yeah. makes a difference to us. No, no, that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, we know that the data tells us that it, once it comes off the peak, there's there's a lot of people who are holding on yeah. thinking, I'm not going to lose. And then they go into the yeah. market, you know, too late. And that pushes that little yeah. bit of uh, a spurt in supply, which is good for agents. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, look, you know, as I said, the, the business we are is financial sales. We do lots of mortgagee sales. We do lots of disputes, we do lots of divorces. You know, mm. If you don't yeah. love your husband and the market drops, you still don't love him, right? So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make yeah. a difference. It's a <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the best time of the year to sell a property? Depends on where you are, but in our market, you just avoid the school holidays. Mm-hmm. So avoid the school holidays in our market, otherwise any, all year round you can do it. Yeah. Further out, it's not so school holiday driven because people don't go far. Mm. So it depends on if you're in the affluent areas, they still go overseas. Because yeah, your clients are in Aspen, they're yeah, in yeah. south of France. Correct, yeah, they're going there off. So, <laughs> yeah. But if you go out, I've got houses for sale, which is Croydon, uh, out in Glasgow Road, out that way in Montrose. They don't tend to go to Aspen, so mm. they might go to Rye. Mm-hmm. So you, they, you can sell all year round there. Mm. So it just depends on where. Yep. What's and grand final day, of course. Yeah, especially yeah. with Carlton are playing. <laughs> well, <laughs> 1995. 1995. Yeah. 
So what's the what's the most important piece of property investment advice you've ever received or given? Well, basically looking long term. So don't look at the market and the value of the property today. Mm -hmm. You're going to have it for 10 years. Yeah. Work out, do you need it? How bad do you want it in your portfolio? Mm -hmm. And the second one was always buy on a tree line street. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can't go wrong if you're in a tree line street because mm -hmm. they just go up all the time. What's the appeal? What, what are most buyers saying about tree line streets versus one that haven't? Is it just the. It's just the look and the feel of the real estate. If you, if you clean drive. the leaves in autumn. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> if you drive through Yarraville, Williamstown, Hawthorne, Campbell, Canterbury, all the beautiful streets with all the lovely trees have all the nice houses in them. Mm -hmm. It's always the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that wide street. Yeah, you turn the, around. Yeah, looks the, pretty. Family. Yeah, yep, yep, got picket those. fences. Yeah. That's where everyone wants to be, right? And that, that's we talk a lot about human interest, human behaviour. Yeah. There's a status to that as well. There's that I'm in one of the best streets in the yeah. area, and and I feel comfortable living yeah. in this area. And there's like-minded people, and I buy into that as an owner-occupier because ultimately that's what drives me. And it's the same in look. You could go to Ballarat and find a beautiful tree line street. Yep. You can go to any suburb. There's one in every suburb. Just yeah. pick the best street. And, yeah, yeah. If you want to diversify your portfolio, which is a good idea and go to different suburbs, just pick the best street in every suburb and you'll never go wrong. And then, and you'll never get a bargain in those streets. No so bargains. No, never any bargain. bargains, just... Whatever the agent's quoting, add 50 and you're probably actually going to pay, right? Yeah. But you've got it long term. Yeah. Well, you don't get a bargain, when you go to sell, it's going to be a bargain again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I think in this market, you just be very careful with that and probably have to be a little bit cautious about what you're buying off the plan because that market might be a little bit shaky. Yep. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever heard with respect to property? As an investment? As property, uh, look, the worst piece of advice I've seen people do is buying properties they bought off financial advisors or accountants and they haven't actually seen them. Mm. And I think they've, so they bought something off the plans, which we sell off the plans too, mm -hmm. but that, you've got to remember that a uh, display room is bigger than what you're getting, mm -hmm. right? So you have to be, a, if you can't read plans, mm. don't buy off the plans. Don't buy off the photos. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have a really good look at what you're buying. That's a ripper. Um, have you ever been out negotiated? Like, you know, is over the journey where someone... See the arms crossed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the body language. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. did you ever, like, you know, obviously on the journey, someone's like, geez, he got me on that one. Like, it was a really good story. And, you know, I fell for it and basically... Uh, not, as, not as an agent, yeah. as a buyer. Well, as, as a buyer, like, I bought cars, always paid more than I should. Everything I bought, <laughs> I always pay the asking price. Every car I bought, I paid whatever they've asked. I'm a sucker. Right? But as an agent, no, I've never been out negotiating. Okay, that's no. good to know. And if he has, he's not going to be 25 years ago, maybe once. Or what, what's been, what do you see as some of the better negotiating tactics? Is there any tactics? That yeah, what are the rookie them? mistakes of a, buyer, yeah. a buyer comes up against you? Because like, yeah. you never get out negotiated. So you see them come and you go, well, maybe come, sometimes. But... Come and spin up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, what, yeah. what are the common things you're seeing them doing? Look, it's just body language. You get to mask, you know, I know if I'm looking at somebody in the eyes and they want to pay more money, they generally look away. Yeah. You know, you just can read that or they look at their wife or they have to make a phone call they've just given the game away mm -hmm. or you know silly things like I'm telling me you know you're buying a house in John Street and you say oh yeah my sister lives next door well you're gone yeah. right. <laughs> my brother lives across the road yeah. up goes the price you know yeah. just don't tell me anything mm -hmm. you know we need to get into this house because we're going to go to the school across the road you're going to end up paying more money well what does a buyer need to tell you because buyers are liars right yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so what you don't want them to tell too much, but they there's that's why a lot of buyers get there and say nothing. But what's what's the dialogue they should be? I'll find out in? anyway because if you walk through one of my houses I, and and I will I normally let you walk through the house and I grab your kids and talk to them yeah, yeah. and they'll tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so you've there you go, anyway. folks. There's there a tip. Don't, don't take, take your kids, kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. to Campbell or Q.
very true. So what do you think of um, townhouses and apartments? I know you'd be a big advocate for houses, yep. but townhouses... No, townhouses, I've got a couple myself. I think with townhouses, I always go looking for three or four on a block, not 20, mm-hmm. not massive body corporates. Yep. Um, and if that's the important thing, and also not too heavy on the stairs in my patch because of oldies, they, the stairs are a problem when you resell. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, in relation to apartments, again, it's almost the same thing. Not I, I avoid the massive blocks. So boutique blocks, 8, 10, 12, mm. always going to do well. Muir Street. Muir Street, always going to do well. City View. Sometimes the 1970s, 60s buildings are really good, mm-hmm. solid. Mm. Uh, and you just go looking for the ones that actually aren't in massive big blocks. Mm. The ones mm. that are done, fixed up and sold very quickly and get caught. So what are some, because we advocate no brand new. Um, yep. And we advocate largely 50, 60, 70s blocks. So what's yep. what's some tips for buyers if they're going into a 50, 60, 70s block that they should look for that the, the common um, buyer might not think about? Well, I think they've just got to check the title because in the olden days there was strata, strata and company yep. share. Yep. Not so often now, but that can be complicated. Yep. And the other mistake they always make in those older ones is the car park is not normally on title. Mm-hmm. So those 70s block, there's 12 car spaces and 12 properties, but you don't own one. Mm-hmm. So you just got to be clear on that if you buy it. You only get the use usage of it but you don't and that causes them grief normally the agents don't know either we advertise it wrong but <laughs> in most cases you don't own the title yep and the courtyards in front of your little building you don't own that either yeah and you wouldn't know because it's fencing you think it's yours but it's actually not yours yeah so the neighbor comes and has a barbecue there and you go hang on it's mine it's not yeah. so that's the common mistake with the older building because it's not clear mm-hmm. so to talk to our um, listeners about stratum and company what, what are oh, they i'm not that like? smart about it <laughs> look <laughs> Just a clear title is always the best. The company share one's a little complicated mm. and the banks don't like lending on company share. Mm. Generally, the stratum titles have been converted to strata, mm-hmm. but most listeners out there wouldn't understand it. So mm. you just got to say to your lawyer, what, 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 what does it mean? So, yeah. And from a lending point of view, exactly that. So some banks don't have an appetite for stratum yep. um, or company title yep. because effectively strata is actually owning air. You're owning that piece of air, yeah. whereas with company title and stratum title, there's a relationship with the with company title. It's the units that you own. Those units are allocated to that particular property or that particular car spot. So you've got to make sure that those units are lining up with for what you're technically buying. But we are seeing more and more of those stra- less and less stratum yeah. moving across the strata. So yeah. smart vendors know in their complexes they get together in their body corporate and they say, look, it might cost us. $10,000 to move it across to a strata, but we'll get a better result yep. because there'll be potentially more buyers. Because what happens from a lending point of view from a stratum property is that the lender might have a maximum 80% LVR on it. So whereas with strata, they will mainly do 90, 95. Yep. So they've got a better appetite because it's an easier, clearer yep. title. Yep. Have you seen when you like someone's walked in, they've seen one of those properties, they think it's a strata. Yep. They ask you of the dialogue around the others. Have you seen that that has a, a, yep. a well, market? Well, in most cases, to be honest, most agents don't understand it mm-hmm. and uh, most buyers don't get it. So they just, we generally brush it off and so do they and we just get on with the auction. So mm. you really have to do your research. If you're not sure about it, just get a lawyer to look at the contract first. Mm-hmm. It's In a hot market, it makes no difference because the market's red hot. But when the market does turn, they're the ones that you can get caught on very mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the things that you would l- want to tell listeners about real estate? I mean, what just comes off the top oh, of your head in okay. terms of some, well, I think, some good Well, um, I think it's a great investment. I think, obviously, I'm a state agent, I'd say that, but I think <laughs> yeah. that you should diversify. You shouldn't have all your stuff in one suburb, so it's good to have three or four different suburbs. I think that's important. Uh, I think you've got to think ahead if you've got children because none of your kids will be able to afford to buy anything the way the market's going, so you probably should start allocating funds aside 
to buy properties as tr in trust for each kid because mm -hmm. by the time they get to 22, they're mm -hmm. not going to be able to afford a, how old are you girls, right? You're not going to be able to afford a house. It's so expensive, right? So you've got to think if about If you want to live close. If you want to live in a city. Because I've got a bit of a beef with this whole housing affordability Yeah, thing. like the first home buyer's grant, where am I going to live at the top of Mount Dandenong? For yeah. $600,000, I yeah. can't. Look, and, and, I, and I suppose the point there is if we all want to live in some of the best areas of any capital city on the planet, yeah. We're going to pay a premium for it. Yeah. So it's about setting that expectation in terms of to get into a $2 million or a $3 million or a $4 million house, you've got to take a journey. You've yeah. got to take steps to get to that. To just have the expectation that you're going to be able to get into that straight out of uni is not the right no. expectation. And, and that's where we don't want false hope by some of these politicians around negative gearing and so forth, basically saying, oh, we bring negative gearing in and that's going to make it's every house make, in Australia. It's, it's not, not going to make any difference at all. If you're a young person, if you're in your 20s and you want to buy a property 23, 24 years old, the first thing I'd suggest to you is go and find a couple of agents, get to know them, ask them if you can do a week's work experience in the office. Mm -hmm. Come and work with us for a week. Just get a feel for the game, understand the lingo, mm -hmm. know your stuff, and you'll you'll make a mate who'll mm -hmm. help you find a house. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's mm -hmm. how it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Just on that point, because I really want to stress that when we're in a good area, and you, you know you're taking the property to auction, how many on average now buyers do you have that are at that auction at the moment? Uh, look, in a, in a good street, seven or eight buyers, seven or eight buyers who all know their stuff. And don't forget, if you're going in, you're competing against three that have missed four in a row. Yeah. yeah. So if you're first time, you're going to get rolled three or four times. So you have to be in the zone. Okay. Of that buyer list of seven or eight, how many are property investors? Oh, half. 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 At least half. Okay, so let's take out three or four. Yep. We've still got three or four buyers yep. who are still going to run it out, aren't they? They're going to fight hard. If they're going to a good street, they're all going to fight. So do you feel that in those markets that taking investors out would slow down the growth rate of property? No, because under the investors, there's another four or five home buyers that will just jump in straight away. You know, we've got, we've got tons of people trying to help their children buy real estate. So the dads are stumping up the cash up front. So there's a, another line. If the market comes off 7 or 8%, it'll just bounce straight back. Chris Bowen, you're listening? You know, Labor Party, you've heard, yeah. heard it You've heard it. This is what happens in inner city areas when you might even have, whether it's only four buyers lined up, if one or two of those are investors, there's still a competitive market. And that still pushes prices higher because owner-occupiers buy with emotion. They don't buy with their head. They buy with their hearts. So don't start delivering false hope to all of the people out there that all of the properties in North Fitzroy or whether it be you know Richmond or St Kilda are going to be cheap again. Um, if we bring negative gearing, it won't happen. No, it won't, it won't happen. It will make the houses out in the outer suburbs cheaper, and that's going to affect obviously mum and dads yeah. who, are, who, are, who are struggling or don't have that yeah. household income. Last thing we want to do for those people is reduce the value of their homes. Mm. Crazy. Glenn, what's the end game for you? Because uh, someone in your position isn't worried about cash flow because elite agents get paid well. Yep. You've talked about your own portfolio. You've got a number yep. of properties. What's 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 the end? What's the end of the line? Uh, the end of the line is well, I've just we're just about to open uh, an RT Edgar office in Carlton. That's what we bought a business for. So we're going to start a, a new business in that side of town. Um, look, competitive I'm, market. Competitive market. Uh, I'm 52. I think I'll do it till I'm dead. Because mm -hmm. what else am I going to do? Mm. Life doesn't want me at home. Got <laughs> five, uh, five or six kids that are hanging around, and you know there's an opportunity for them to all work in the business if they want. And my business. Couple is, of them are. Yeah, they are. That's <laughs> right. And my business is. Um, it's evolved to a level where it's an attraction business. So I'm selling. You know, people just ring up and say, "You sold for me 15 years ago. Come back yeah. on a plate." 
I love it. It's a great atmosphere. Can we tell the story about the kids in the car? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, I mean, look, I left this morning at 7.30. I had two kids in the car. One was texting people to say happy birthday. The other was on Facebook saying happy birthday to all my customers. Wedding anniversary, two this morning. One of them did messages this morning. That's their job. So their job between 7.30 and 8 is to actually... <laughs> no, 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 they don't have to have school fees. Yeah, they don't have to school, fees. school yeah, fees. Yeah, yeah. Kids, get on the phone. They don't have to unpack the dishwasher. They've got to send text messages <laughs> yeah. to yeah. customers. I love it. Oh, really now, but do you separate... Your business from your from your life. No, your no, life, it's your business. My it's life's what business. It is. It's what we do. You've made a call. That yeah. This is this is who you are, and we, you love it. Now, like a lot of people go, God, so many people work really hard. I'm the same. Everyone goes, you work so hard in your business. They're like, you think it's a business? I actually love that. That's I the do. best. It's, it's the fun. best thing. Once you find your niche and you know what you want to do. Look, we were at, uh, and on the other day, we were at uh, Teppanyaki in Collins Street. Great restaurant, had dinner. As I was leaving, the waiter said, G'day. And I didn't even have to write his name down because my daughter wrote his name down because she knows to write him the letter. And my son <laughs> got the other guy's name and he's, he's got a letter because we don't know any better. Yeah, the whole family's educated in customer service. Yeah, mm-hmm. brilliant. Brilliant. So I guess an extension of that question, though, is you, you've obviously got business as part of the portfolio. You've got property. What, what's the end game for property? Does, do you want that to deliver a... A passive income mm-hmm. to you. You're just going to liquidate and have cash. What, no, no. I'll just keep the property. Eventually, we'll, uh, you know, when you retire, I suppose you just hand it on to the kids and move on. Just keep the property, leave it for the children. Don't let them cash. Mm-hmm. So legacy it. generation. Yeah. And teach them how to fish. Yep. Basically. Yeah, I'd like doing. to teach. I mean, you know, my son was in the florist the other day, sweeping up and doing things like that. He's got to learn how to work, even though he doesn't need to work. He's got to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the work ethic's the most important thing. Yep. And you know, if I if I sat down with each one of my kids now, they've all got a goal sheet. And it starts with hours they work, what they do, respect for women's big. That's what I want to teach my kids. Four boys, got to teach them respect for women. And then teach them how to follow up people, keep in touch. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Mm-hmm. Like move away from that sense of entitlement and no, teach yeah, them the value of time yeah. and the value of yep. uh, work for earning and outcome. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think it's really important. Yep. So why don't... Um, so the real estate agents at the coalface, the amount of real estate agents that I meet who have been in the game long, not just five mm-hmm. minutes, but who don't own an investment property. Or keep selling. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because, you know, your investment property can make you $100,000 a year. You know, yeah. It can make you really good money. And I think it's hard to convince people to buy property unless you buy property. You got mm. And you've got to go through that process. Mm. And I think the best thing you can do is teach your kids that same mindset. Like, so my daughter, who's 22, Brooke, I've said to her, as soon as you get half the deposit, I'll go to your house, we'll go and buy something fast. Mm-hmm. Right? And the same with each kid. Go them half the deposit, mm. get them into real estate. Otherwise, they'll get priced out of the market. Mm. My son's learning um, singing, putting an album out and all that sort of stuff. But on his website, it says, call me if you want any work. Yeah, yeah. And when he goes to you know a, a gig and sings at 12, he'll always write a follow-up letter, thank you. Of course he, he normally gets the job. <laughs> it's little things that make a difference. Mm. What's the mindset of the agent, though, who says, I'm just not ready to, well, 37, to buy a, a I know property. one agent, 37 years in the game. I said, how many properties you got? And he goes, oh, no, I've sold them all. I'm like, why would you sell them all? Yeah, like, I don't crazy. Like, and is it because they, because a good agent could have a good year earn 200,000, right? Is it because they always think they're not going to have the, the same year next year? Not you, you're this consistent. But the, No, let's, I let's, think what it is is that sometimes you can, look, a good agent can earn a million dollars very quickly yeah. in a year. And can you I, remember that? Is that yeah. a few years ago? Yeah, a few you? years back now. Um, but <laughs> you, I think, you wouldn't go that low now, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what it is year, is that <laughs> real estate agents, and I know tons of them, and I try and keep really close to my competitors, they lose the passion for people, not mm. for property. Mm. And that's when you're gone. Mm. Yeah. Lose the passion for people. I reckon that's a great way to wrap that section up. That was brilliant. A couple of quick ones for you. Um, Who was your first mentor? Uh, My first mentor would have been Neil Burgess, head of Woodards. Okay. 
And what was face it about to face? No, he just got person? my moral compass right. Because I would have been a bit wild when I was young, and no. you know, he straightened me out. And he was a rotary boy. Everything's honest. You've got to be honest. Got to tell the truth. And yeah. pretty hard when you're coming from this out of suburbs. But he straightened me up. That's mm-hmm. what I needed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what does success mean to you? Uh, success for me is happy wife, really positive, motivated children. The rest of it's irrelevant. Yeah, happy wife, quiet life. Uh, not too quiet, but happy. <laughs> happy. <laughs> ah, very good. No, look, I mean, obviously, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, it's been a real treat. We uh, we plan to do, um, you know, to, to identify these great agents around Australia and get them on because it's good to see it from the other side. And, you know, human beings, you know, that's the other message that selling agents have got a job to do and the really good ones are really great people, people. And I think that's really important to understand. So, Glenn, no, it's, been, it's been a privilege having you on the Property Couch. Yeah. Um, we certainly think that uh, the listeners will, will benefit from your wisdom. Um, at this point, we, we've, we throw over to a couple of things here where we uh, give a few life hacks to our listeners. Yeah, and so this is about productivity. So okay, yeah. I think you've got productivity yeah. sorted. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. But anyway, the price has got a beauty. Are you, do you use any digital um, apps that you can't live without? So I use all the social media sites. There's seven yep. of them. Yep. But when I say I use them, I'm 52. So the girl that does it for me is my niece, Amber, and she gets about 20 bucks a week, and she does uh, all my social bucks, media. 20 bucks. It's pretty good money for a 10-year-old, 14-year-old. Oh, oh, and, and they do it better than anyone. Well, I just send her, if I get a positive thing, I just send it to her, and after, on the way home from school, she just gets on the tram and she plasters it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I use an app called Evernote. I've um, I've banged on about that a bit. Right. It's, it's like a digital brain. You know, yeah, yeah. your mind's for creating and thinking, and your brain's not for storing. So I use Evernote. But I've often had this challenge because I listen. Do you listen to podcasts? No, never. Sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> we got him here, and he's like, "So you, I just had to listen to what? No, no. <laughs> but I'm too busy." But what about Automobile University? You've got to, You'd be telling your sales guys to listen to something in the car other than the radio. Yeah. You? When I started my first couple of years in real estate, Tom Hopkins. Sales real yeah, estate, yeah, yeah. brainwashed, got yeah. my dialogue right. Now yeah. I just listen to fo- football talk back because yeah. I'm a tragic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Ben listens to a lot of podcasts. Mm. But the challenge is I listen to most of them while I'm driving. Yeah. So the challenge is I'm listening to a podcast with Glenn Cortina and you drop a nugget of wisdom. And I think, I've got I, I to write that down. Yeah. But I'm driving. So the thing with the Evernote app, Ben, is mm. it's got a little dictaphone um, button. Oh. So if you're about to, you know, safe driving before you, you pulled before over. you put you, it in drive, you, over. <laughs> you get Evernote open and you get a note started. And I'm about to listen to the property couch, for example. Yep. And I'm driving to, to work for the next 40 minutes. You then, if Ben Kingsley drops one of his famous nuggets of wisdom, I then just hit the dictaphone button and it pauses the podcast and then it allows me to speak and it types out. What I just said. So, of course, I'm driving along and imagine someone says something like, location does 80% of the heavy lifting, and I want to write that down. Bang, I hit the microphone. I'll speak that into the phone. It'll actually write what I say. I can get on with driving. I won't get into an accident, and I don't lose the opportunity for the wisdom. So that is well, that your pipe very and nice. Noise. Well, bang, I've just... I've, I don't know why you'd be listening to our podcast, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, oh, I'm for joking. example. Oh, I'm only For joking. example. So, um, uh, did you know? Did you know? Obviously, why everyone listens to this podcast, Glenn, is because we have this session. And I just come up with some ridiculous fact, yeah. uh, you know, about property. Window tax last week. Yeah, window tax. You know about window tax? No, I don't know oh, about well, window tax. You listen to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll never say you never mind it. I'm not going to tell you about it. <laughs> um, what is it called? Palindromes. Mm. Palindromes.